Howdy, y'all. My name is Chris Robbins. Uh, this is my bride, Cherise, and uh, we have a picture of our family there. If you can believe it, 30 years old, and I'm going to be a grandpa. <laughs> not 30 years old. <laughs> going to be a grandpa, Yeah, not that part's 30 true. <laughs> so we just wanted to uh, spend a little time and just share just grace. Um, we're a mess, and God loves us, and, and we just want to tell you a little bit about it. So I'm going to pray, and uh, we'll get started. Father God, Lord, thank you for this time. Um, thank you for love and mercy. And just, I just, I'm so thankful, God, that um, for grace. Um, in Christ's name we pray, amen. I was born in Arlington, Texas, and I've lived in the Dallas area my entire life. I was raised across the street from my grandparents and a few houses down from all my aunts, uncles, and cousins. <clears throat> we were, and uh, we still are, a pretty close family. Uh, we went to church on Sundays. And then we really never discussed it until the next Sunday. I never saw my parents fight, and I had no idea there was a problem. Till one afternoon when I was 13, they brought me into the kitchen, and they began to tell me how they still loved me, but my dad was going to move out. That's really all I remember about that conversation, and other than I really didn't have any idea what a divorce was. Uh, but it wasn't going to be long until I understood exactly what divorce meant. Uh, my dad moved out, and my mom's new friend moved in. My relationship with my mother would never be the same, and uh, we don't even, we don't really still talk today. My story starts with a broken home when I was three years old. My mom immediately remarried. Um, I had a new dad and new grandparents. When I was eight years old, they had um, a daughter, and I soon became the stepchild. My biological dad dated um, a little bit, and uh, he and I were very close until I was 12. And that's when he started dating, um, who is now my stepmom. Um, they started their own family with two boys, and I was soon forgotten again. Neither of my parents ever went to church, um, but I would go with friends on occasion and, um, of course, vacation Bible school. Um, I lived with my mom, my stepdad, and my sister. Um, because my mom was sexually abused when she was uh, a child by her stepfather, there was a lot of tension um, between her and my stepdad and a lot of counseling and things that went around that. Um, their problems were talked about openly around my sister and I, um, and that gave me a very tainted view of sex and marriage. Um, my mom showed love by giving things, which eventually landed her in prison in September of 1991 for embezzling money from the bank that she worked. Um, I was 19, um, about to get married and have my first son without my mom. Sharice and I met when I was 19 at a mutual friend's house. We were at a party with a lot of beer, of course. We dated for six years before we got married, and I told her if we could live together for a year, then we would get married, and we did. It didn't matter. I had huge issues. Um, I drank too much. I was selfish, pride, just to name a few. We got married, and I figured now that we were married, it was a fresh start. I thought we would just sweep all of the bad things under the rug and start new. Wrong. I was drinking daily, and the things I'd done to Sharice while we were dating, like going to strip clubs, broken promises, and just being a selfish jerk, were just as painful now that we were married. I also thought all of our intimacy and communication issues would be gone. I was wrong again. I had a whole slew of expectations that were all about to be unmet. And of course, that would all be Sharice's fault, because there was nothing wrong with me. It was all her and her issues. <laughs> oh, what a peach I was. Our first two years of dating were great, but once Chris turned 21, things started to change. As he mentioned earlier, his life was spiraling out of control. Chris and I found out I was pregnant. 
After a lot of crying on my part and fear from Chris, we decided to have an abortion. All of my insecurities started to come out in a terrible way. I was angry, depressed, controlling, and just mean, but at the same time, I was so scared of losing him. I told Sharice that I didn't want a baby, and she would basically be doing it alone again. I told her that an abortion would be the best option. I had no idea the damage that that decision would cause in both of our lives. My mom was released from prison after nine long months, but she did not come home like she promised. It was during this time that her addiction to pills turned into an alcohol addiction. She was with men who abused her, and I just could not understand what had happened to the mother I once knew. All of this made Chris very angry towards my mom, and the pattern of her drinking and me rescuing her went on for several years. She finally stopped drinking um, when she found out that she had chronic pancreatitis, and she spent a few good years with my sister, me, and her six grandkids before she passed away from her illness on January 3, 2010. I was angry. I didn't understand why she had to die when she was finally starting to like living. In June, my ex-husband committed suicide and left my son devastated. Again, I was asking why. I was so lost, angry, and hurt that I didn't feel like I could be a wife to an alcoholic anymore or a full-time mom to three kids. So I packed my stuff and I moved out. It was during this time that a friend from work invited me to Watermark. Isaiah 55.8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He used my mom's death and my brokenness to draw me close to him. So now we can fast forward nine years and two more kids, and the bottom was about to fall out. I'd been involved with other women, and I'd either told on myself to get attention, or Sharice had discovered it from a mistimed text. We were both living separate lives, just meeting at home to cohabitate in the same house and to try and raise our children. I was busy trying to prove I was a man and making sure I was off work by four so I could swing by the beer store in time to have the kids picked up by six. The only reason we didn't fight was because we didn't talk at all. People around us thought we were the perfect married couple, couple that we were really happy. My drinking had led to some pretty intense paranoia, and one morning I woke up before Sharice and noticed that her email was open, and I found some things that pushed me over the edge. God was about to use this to show me who was in control. I confronted her with what I found, and she began to tell me that it was nothing. She was only talking with an old friend, but because of my paranoia and my recent experience with only talking with old friends, I knew exactly what this was. I told her I wanted a divorce, and I told her that I, I hated her. And she said fine, and began to find her own place. A couple days went by, and I began to see that this was different than all the times before. She was serious. She was really leaving. Well, this caused something inside of me to scream, wait. She's really leaving? How could this be? She can't leave me. Who leaves me? <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but it is the truth. <clears throat> I begged, I cried, I pleaded, I said whatever I thought I had to do, but it was too little too late. Whether or not I even knew or believed that God existed, my marriage was something I placed higher than anything else. Sharice was fed up with me as I thought I was with her. She told me I needed to get help for my drinking and that she needed some time to find herself. Before she left, I was able to check myself into an intensive outpatient program, rehab, and I got involved in AA. I didn't know Christ yet and turned to the only place I knew, the world. And my family and friends told me horrible but well-intentioned advice. You deserve to be happy. Um, you should throw all of her crap out in the yard, change the locks. She's going to take all your money, move on, on and on and on. 
In Alcoholics Anonymous, I met men who began to tell me about spirituality, and these men were sober and pretty happy about it. Some of these men were really passionate for Christ, and I asked them about him. I'd heard of him, but I thought I didn't have enough money or really do enough good to get into heaven. But these guys acted a lot like me, and they didn't have a lot of money either. So I decided to wait before I voted myself out. I was still unaware that all I had to do to be saved was just accept Christ and believe he died on the cross for me. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This was my first, the first time in my life I was allowed and comfortable talking about my struggles with lust, porn, alcohol, and lying. Up until this point in my life, I thought I was all alone, trying to do everything by myself. I really think God used these men to start the process of me fixing me. After Sharice and I had been separated for two months, oh, here we go, she informed me that she was going to sign a one-year lease on a new place. And all I really heard was, I hate you and I want a divorce. So <laughs> that's not what she said. Good gravy. Sort of. Is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we can laugh now. Yeah, we can. <laughs> um, so, oh, so with my newfound wisdom and new spirituality in hand, I was going to show her. This was the end of us as far as I could see. I really felt alone and helpless. So I pulled money from my retirement account to buy a motorcycle and a divorce. <laughs> that is the truth. But God had other plans. Uh, before I met my new attorney, I needed to get some new boots for the motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's your husband. <laughs> No, that sharp was as a tack, old, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, wow. So um, after I purchased my new boots, I was gonna. Uh, wait a minute. I was headed down the road to my new friend, the attorney, who advised me to go ahead and file, so that if she filed, I would be there first. And it sounded good to me. And on my way, I was hit by a truck. Literally, uh, I went under the trailer of an 18-wheeler, and I had to be taken to the hospital. I called my wife to mention my little accident, and I told her not to worry. I would call her after I left the hospital. I had no idea God was working in my life and that he had all of this under control. And when I arrived at the hospital, there was my bride. Um, she was scared and actually concerned for me, and this was something that I did not expect. Uh, I saw love and the fear of losing me in her eyes, and I had not seen that in a very long time. Two days later, she moved back home, and it wasn't all roses and chocolate. Uh, after I recovered and she knew I wasn't going to die, our problems got worse. <laughs> Oh, you too can have a, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I was scared to death that she was going to leave again, and the fear was consuming me. It was all I could think about. I went from angry to smothering, and after a few months of this, I was beat. I was done. Uh, I couldn't go on anymore, and I was completely exhausted, and it showed. So I was going to Watermark on a regular basis, but not really feeling God changing my heart. Um, I knew that Chris was lucky to be alive, and I felt like I needed to move back home, so I did. Things were still bad between us. I wasn't really um, ready to be back at home, um, and he was smothering me. Um, and I decided that Chris would just be better off if I divorced him um, since I made him so miserable. Um, I shared my decision with a friend of mine um, who is on staff here at Watermark, Go Lauderdale's. And um, she begged me to try re-engage, and I agreed. Luke 11.10 uh, says, For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. I will say that I did not go willingly to re-engage. I told Chris that I was not going to say anything to anybody. I did not want anybody to know my business. 
But most of all, I did not want to talk about anything that would hurt, which was pretty much my entire life. We had the most amazing facilitators, Dwight and Bitsy Fletcher, who made me talk. It was about week five when I decided to engage. The topic was on honesty, and I had not been honest with my husband. Um, I had done the same things that I had beaten him up for for several years um, about affairs um, and different conversation I had had with men. Um, It was an eye-opening experience for me. For the first time, I felt God changing my heart towards Chris and owning my part of the disaster that we had created. Um, I have to say that I was skeptical about God being able um, to want me to want me to stay married to Chris, um, but I can tell you the truth, he did, because I fought it tooth and nail. Um, the rest of our experience in Reengage was amazing. God changed our hearts so much in so many ways. I learned to communicate, respect, and just love Chris through God's way of marriage. God is the center of our family now, our kids. Uh, Family and friends all see the amazing change in us. Some people don't like the new Robbins family, um, but that's okay because we live for God, and that um, is what gives us peace every day. I don't have to wall up anymore with Chris. Um, We communicate more effectively now. I have learned when I need to ask him for forgiveness, although sometimes um, I still sleep on it. Um, I ask him for forgiveness, and... um, try to figure things out how, um, I try to figure out how it could still be his fault, but you know, it's, it's not. We are both on the same page with the way that we live our lives and the way that we raise our children, which was a big issue for us. Um, kids, Chris reads his Bible daily. Um, and, um, he makes sure that the family stays on track with our walk with the Lord. Um, I love to serve and just, um, take classes, read my Bible, do what I can. Um, when I met Chris, neither one of, I, one of us were believers. Um, we didn't really mention or talk about going to church. We did discuss how churches had hurt us in the past um, and um, how we lived sinful life. Um, Watermarks, abortion ministry, someone cares, really showed me how to be forgiven by God. Um, And I can tell you that no matter what your background is or what sins you have committed, there is a glorious God that will forgive you and change your heart. Um, You have to be still. You have to be patient. You have to listen. You have to pray. Um, But he is there. And um, bad things will happen. um, But somehow (laughs) he brings all of the glory to him. And it is amazing to watch. Um, Psalm 31, 23, and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So when Sharice told me about re-engage and asked me if I'd be willing to try it, I didn't really want to, but I figured we were going to get a divorce anyway, so what could it hurt? Maybe she would finally see that the problem was all her, and we could fix her. (laughs) And I actually asked God to give me the strength and patience to wait for him to fix her. And I was sitting right over there somewhere when I, when I prayed that, honestly. Good grief. Uh, there were many nights that we showed up separately, and I had instructions from Sharice not to expect her to talk or share. But I, on the other hand, I'll share with a light pole. Yes, will. And, uh, Everything. <laughs> I will. Everything. I had no problem putting our junk out there. Uh, after a few weeks of open group, we got into a closed group with the Fletchers, And God just used Dwight and Bitsy just to tell us how it was. We were both selfish. We were treating each other like jerks. They told us we could either hold on to the past for the rest of our lives or begin to change and forgive one another. 
The first eight to 10 weeks of closed group were really, really tough, but something was happening. Sharice and I were doing the work and God was working in our hearts and in our lives. We were talking about things that we had not ever been able to talk about and actually made progress on fixing them. We were extending each other grace and really forgiving. And for the first time in my relationship, I was seeing my wife as something special, a blessing and not a curse. Ephesians 5.33 says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The Lord was moving my heart to place him first and her second, and it was starting to show up everywhere else in my life. I began reading my Bible daily and seeking the wise counsel of Christian men. I was gaining patience and humility, two things that I'd really been lacking in the past. I was able to own my part of the why things were the way they were and see that it was me, not her, that needed to be fixed. I finally, I finally realized that no one was coming to bring me the husband of the decade award. <laughs> I was actually praying for my wife and her well-being instead of for her demise. I began to think about how things would affect her and how I might feel if I were in those situations. My perspective was changing and so was my life. For the first time, I was asking this question, how do I biblically lead my family? The old me had clue that there was an instruction manual for life and how to live it, the Bible. I was never concerned about my relationship with Christ. I'd never thought to ask him for advice when I had a decision to make, and I never valued my wife's thoughts on those decisions before. I never looked to the word before giving advice. I was beginning to share all of my struggles with other men and expecting them to hold me accountable and giving them permission to tell me the truth and give me biblical advice. I started asking myself what part I played in my situation and why was I doing what I was doing. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason is still wrong. I began to seek forgiveness and apologize. And this is something that was really a struggle for me, asking for forgiveness. That means I actually had to admit that I did something wrong and validate my wife's feelings. We still wrestle with a lot of the same things today, but we handle them in a whole different way. For the first time in my adult life, there is peace in my house more nights than there is turmoil. I've quit telling Sharice what to do and started, ask, started asking what she wants to do. One of my biggest accomplishments is that I stopped doing things and expecting something in return. I still struggle with lust and dishonesty, but now I have a true accountability partner, my wife. Uh, I've learned that Christ never gave up on me and that he loves me in spite of myself. And God was with me all along, even when I was not sure he existed. All I had to do was submit, admit that I needed Christ, and seek his will. I'm not alone any longer. No matter the situation, it's all right, because Christ is enough. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>